There is one passage that I would be directing you guys to as we go through this. It would be Romans chapter 1. And I'm going to tell you that that's where I'm going to go to. But I'm also going to tell you as I teach through this that there's going to be a lot of passages that I'm going to teach through. Some of them, uh, people scratch their head and say, does that really mean that? And so what we have to do is we have to link the passages together or take the word and what does that word mean and compare it to Scripture to Scripture, what was the background and things like that. And so I'm planning on doing that as we go through this. I, I know that this is a tougher issue than ever before. And I'll tell you, this is just the way that it worked. We didn't plan it this way, that we decided to do these two lessons in the middle of it being Pride Month. And if you have your eyes open, if you have a TV, if you have a cell phone, or if you go out of your house, you know it's Pride Month. And like never before, it is all around you, in your face, logos, icons, the world. It's, it's not even the same world that we were in even five years ago or three years ago. It is... It, th- this issue has not just uh, added to, it's multiplied. And I hope you know what I mean by that. It's just not expanded, but it's, it's multiplied and it's influence around us. I was on vacation. We were down in Florida. I walked into a store and there was a shirt hanging up and it was advertising Pride Month and all this other stuff. And the shirt said across the chest of it, it said, we will win this. And, and I, it, I, I know love is love and all the other sayings and things that go along with, but I was we will win this. It was, it was, it's like going to war. And I'm thinking going to war with who or what. It, but you've got to understand the other side of it. And next week, I, I'm going to be explaining. I, w- I want to step into the mindset of somebody dealing with this. And sometimes we're just all on the Christian side of like, we, we know what's right. And man, the Bible says this and we should. But at the same time, we've got to understand where they're at and what, what the Bible tells us about people walking in darkness and the fact of them being lost and confused to know how to reach them. And by the way, that is our goal. It's, we're not. The, the real enemy that we're fighting against is not people that are opposite of how we believe. The real enemy is Satan. Amen. And, and the Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And when we, when we start going to war with people, you've already lost the war because you, you're fighting the wrong enemy. So we've got to make sure that we have the right mindset with this. And I know that there's a lot of people that are personally affected by this. And, and I want to be sensitive to that. There's, there's people in here right now. And I said this while I was praying because I know this, that you personally maybe have a family member, a, a, a child, a relative or something. And it's, it's, it's a hard thing because you're, you're saying, I'm going to sit here tonight and hear how the Bible says that my child, my friend, my, my spouse or whatever that I've had. And, and I could tell you a lot of crazy stories when it comes to that, that is through separation have, have had it, gotten into major issues. So I, I, I say this too because of the intensity of this in our culture today. Like I was saying, it's, it's multiplied. It's in politics like I've never seen it before. It's in our education. It's in our public schools. Um, and it's... It's in the doctor's office when you go in there and you're filling out paperwork. It's, it's the White House being lit up with the rainbow colors and all the things that we've seen. It's all around us. So my goal tonight is to teach truth, but also teach the truth in love. And uh, I'm saying that because that's the biblical way that we should be doing things. Uh, my goal is to give clear biblical truth of what the Bible says about the issue and, and avoid the opinions and, and avoid a lot of the things that gets in the way of this. I ask with a humble heart, with whoever's watching online and whoever's sitting in the audience right now, 
to just sit and listen for the next 45 minutes. Not, not tune it off, not just get mad, not, well, I feel this way. Because I believe that it's important that we raise up truth and we listen to truth. And sometimes Satan will fight with everything that's in us to avoid the truth because he wants us to be blinded to the truth. I promise you this. I will not be doing name calling. I will not be making jokes. I will not be making light of this issue. And I'll be honest, I've heard that from a lot of Christians. You guys have too. Where it's like, and no wonder they don't want to listen to us when we degrade them. Let me ask you this. When did Jesus ever do that? When did Jesus ever mock or make fun of people in any way whatsoever? And so God loves them and whoever struggles with these issues as much as he loves you. We need to have that in our minds. And if anybody is watching or listening under the sound of my voice right now, I want you to know, and you struggle with this, I want you to know, number one, and I say this from the bottom of my heart, that I do love you, and God calls us to love people, and I would do anything that I can to be your friend and help you. And I mean that with all my heart. So where do we start with this? Uh, It's important that we understand this issue. So I want to start with this question, why is this subject so important for us to discuss? Because you sit there and say, we're in church and we know what we believe in this. So why is this so important for us to discuss? Now, some of these things when I was teaching and preaching through um, our identity and we were going through the No Filter series and I addressed some of these things. I I will probably repeat myself a little bit. So if you're saying some of this sounds familiar, that's intentional. But uh, it has created so much confusion. In 1 Corinthians 14.33, it says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. It involves so much confusion that leads to depression, that leads to anxiety, that leads to suicide. And, and, and that has, I mean, that has escalated beyond what I could even describe. And I'm not just saying that from a, let me tell you from Pastor Tony at the church. I'm saying just, just Google it. Just Google it. And, you, and you'll see the suicide rates and everything surrounding this. And that ought to be raising red flags of, why is an issue that everybody's saying so natural and good causing so much damage in our, in our culture today? The National Library of Medicine did a study, and they were talking about those with gender confusion are much higher risk of death by suicide and suicidal behaviors than the general population. Now, I know there's a number of reasons, and a lot of people would come back and say, one of the reasons is because they feel so rejected or they get bullied, and I know that plays a big part into it as well. But it's also, if you look at it, those that are dealing with it that don't even understand their own identity, 48.3 reported suicidal thoughts. That's half. You, you, now, I say that because of the fact is when we're getting through this and we start talking about those that are dealing with this, that ought to break our hearts. That ought to stir us up to, to be the light, to be answers, and to be help and hope. uh, percent of them have attempted suicide because of going through this. So no matter what side you're on, that ought to bother us in of itself. That that ought to break our hearts. So what is the LGBTQ? And I did a few years ago, I, I, I did a similar thing as we were going through this, and I said they keep adding letters. Now it's LGBT. It used to be LGBT, and then they added Q. The Q was used twice for questioning and queer, now, in just the recent weeks, months, they've added IA. And then at the end of it, you do have plus. It's a lot to keep up with. And, and I, that's kind of part of what I'm trying to say. I want to, I'm going to read a bunch of terms and go through this. Because to be honest, when I got into this, I didn't fully understand it. 
So I, I remember the topic that we're talking about. Why is this so important for us to discuss? And has it caused confusion? That, that's where and God is not the author of confusion. Uh, biological sex is what you are when you're born according to your autonomy. It's the sexual organs that you have. Gender identity. Gender identity is according to your general feeling on the spectrum between male and female. It's what you feel your identity is or you feel that I'm a boy or a girl. Sexual orientation is the gender that one is attracted to, whether romantically or sexually. It's who you love. And that's under that category is gay, lesbian, bisexual. There's gender, gender expression. It's how a person chooses to show their outward gender identity. It's how you look, how you act, how you change how you look, how you change how you uh, act. Heterosexual, attracted to the opposite gender. Homosexual, attracted to the same gender. Pansexual, attracted to all gender identities. Then you have cisgender, someone whose gender identity matches what they were assigned with at birth. Now those are, those are just, those are categories, okay? So we're going to break some of those down, probably some of the more familiar ones that you're with, which is the LGBTQIA+. L stands for lesbian. A lesbian is a girl that is sexually attracted to women. Gay means a man that is attracted to a man. Bisexual is people that are attracted to both. The T stands for transgender. It's those people that feel like they were born with one uh, gender and they should have been the other. They choose to transition their body to match their mind or their feeling. The Q stands for, it's a double meaning there, it's Q and questioning, and they use it in both ways. Queer refers to any, uh, anyone that identifies with this community. So if you just say, hey, I feel like I'm bi, or I feel like I'm whatever it that, then, then you can be classified as queer because I identify with that. But it's also questioning. And I think that's so subtle of Satan to throw that in there because of the fact is if you have any teen or young person that scratches their head and say, I don't know, well, then you're automatically part of this group because you're questioning. Um, they have added just recently to the list, and you'll see this more and more, is IA. I stands for intersex, which is used to describe people who are born with reproduct reproductive or sexual autonomy that doesn't fit typical definition of a male or female. An asexual is a person with little or no sexual attraction whatsoever. Now, when you get into the plus, that plus goes on and on and on with definitions. You have gender fluid, someone that identifies with different genders at different times, so it goes back and forth. Gender neutral, they don't feel as if they are male or female. Third gender, third gender is somebody that doesn't feel like they identify with male or female, that it's something else. In their own words... There are so many other levels of this that, they can't, that it can get so uh, confusing. And I, I'm not using, that's literally when I was going through this, and I'm like, okay, I'm using your own words as they identify and they say this. Total confusion. Um, and, but it, it brings, but when there's no absolute truth, and I, I'm not trying to re-preach some of the things that I've said before, it is the difference what Jesus was speaking about, being on the sand or being on the rock. On the rock, it's solid. I know where I'm at. I know it doesn't shift and change under me. But by this very definition, the Bible is talking about those that build their house or their life upon the sand. It's constantly shifting and changing. And when the storms come and the winds blow, the fall, house falls down. Why? Because it was built upon the sand. There's no stability. And, and, and let me make application as I say this. 
That is why it's so important for us, as I was saying just a minute ago, that we start with the Word of God as being absolute truth, that this doesn't change. It gives us our identity. It gives us our purpose. It calls the shots because it was written by our author. It was written by our creator. It was written by the one that invented us from the very beginning. But now there's so many confusion. It used to be the question, and people would struggle as young people, saying, I don't know what I'm supposed to be. I don't know. They get to college and they struggle. <clears throat> now from literally... We were on vacation. We were down in Florida. There was a family in front of us, and they were pushing a stroller, and they all had the pride stuff on. And, and uh, it was a toddler, toddler in the stroller. And one of the systems says, uh, hey, buddy, do you want this? And says, don't call him by specific names. We don't know if they want to be a boy or a girl yet. And I'm standing there, and I'm just like, <gasps> you know, and, and, and I can't even imagine where you walk from a toddler, you don't even know what restroom to walk into. You, you go into a doctor's office and they need to examine you and you, you don't even know what to put on the paper because you've been so confused from a toddler of, of your sexual identity. You, you don't know who you are, what you are, what you're supposed to love. So confusing. This is why, start with this, God is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of confusion. And the Bible is not a buffet. And I say this to believers, and I hope you take my If What we're about to get into is what does the Bible say, which literally means when, it, when you come up to it and you say, ooh, I want to go to heaven, and I, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that he rose again, and that one day I can go to heaven and be saved from hell because of what Jesus Christ did. I, I want that. And then you walk up, and the Bible talks about who you are or what's wrong, and you're like, yeah, I, did. I don't know if I believe that because that goes against my friends or that goes against culture or that makes me sound like a weirdo. It's not a buffet. It's either all right or it's not. Amen. And, and that's where when the Bible talks about in the last days that there should be a great falling away, People are going to say, praise God, I want to go to heaven. I, I don't care what funeral I do. Every person that walks behind that pulpit is going to go, I can't, I can't wait to see them in heaven. That's an, Everybody wants heaven. Everybody wants that. But when it comes to reality of sin and hell and consequences and things like that, it's not a buffet. You can't just choose that. It's, it's either right or wrong. So right now, what I'm going to roll into this is, is explaining what does the Bible say. Great peace have they that love thy law. And nothing shall offend them. Dear saint of God, please let that be your theme verse as we go through this. Number one, the Bible is our final authority. I just want to throw this in there. The Bible says in Isaiah 45 verse 19, the Lord, I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare that are right. I declare the things that are right. Only God. So we have no outside opinion of people that can come in and say, well, I believe, or whatever. At a Christian, as a Christian, you stand there and say, it is the Lord Jesus Christ that declares what is right. So now as we go through his word, understand this. You know, put this out there, just say it, and then I'll back it up. The Bible calls homosexuality a sin. The Bible calls homosexuality a sin. I will make that a statement as I go through this, and I will support what I'm about to say as we go through this. The Bible clearly defines this, and there is no gray areas. So we're going to start in the Old Testament, and I'm going to hit everything as we go through, and I'll explain it to the best of my ability, and that's my main objective of tonight to do. In Genesis chapter 19, we have this story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's probably the go-to passage that a lot of people 
go to, but also a lot of people fight against that passage being used in this regards, and I'll show you why as we go through this. It is the passage that is the greatest display of judgment in the Bible that we know of, besides Revelation that's coming, but it's one of the greatest displays of judgment in the Bible. There's great debate um, as to was this having something to do with homosexuality, and a lot of times people throw that out and then not be able to point to why they're saying that. So let's read through this, and I'm going to connect the dots as we go through the different passages of Scripture and kind of build the foundation for this, and then we will go to Romans chapter 1. Genesis 18, verse 20, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. This is a very wicked city. Nobody would doubt that. I mean, you say the words Sodom and Gomorrah today, and nobody's like, wow, that sounds like a great place to live. I mean, it's, it's... is described as a place of sin. The Bible says that the sin was very grievous, means that it was heavy, that it came to a breaking point. I'm not going to get into Bible prophecy right now, but I'm really wanting to as I get into this, because if you get into the New Testament, it points to this as an example about there being a boiling point or a breaking point when it comes to sin, and in this city was doing this. And the Bible says, and their sin was very grievous. It was very heavy. It was a boiling point. Um, sin is sin, and I know everybody said sin is sin, but there are some sins that have greater consequences, okay? Telling a lie and murdering somebody, not the same consequences, okay? There are sins that have different consequences. So let's examine the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. Ezekiel sixteen forty nine also starts describing what this passage is saying. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread. The abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughter. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy, and they were haughty and committed abomination before thee. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. Now, there's a lot of things that is referenced in the Bible as an abomination, okay? An abomination is properly something disgusting or dealing with morality. It's literally, there's, that's where he's saying with sin is sin, but the Bible takes it to this thing of immorality or this abundance of immorality or something disgusting with this. And we we will come back to this as we go through this. Uh, There was many sins and we just read it. So if you just say it was all because of homosexuality, no, there's a great falling away. The city in of itself had nothing to do with God. And if you read uh, with Noah that the Bible says in their thoughts was sinful continually, that that's where they were. And um, the two angels Uh, that God sent into the city, begin to explain it, help us to have an understanding of what's going on in this. So they go in to talk to Lot. And many of you that have a Bible knowledge, you understand this. I don't have the time to to go into all the details of explaining that story. But the men of the city go to Lot's door and begin to ask for these men. So let's look at this. In Genesis 19, verse 5, And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Now, the question is, what does it mean to know them? What does this mean? Does that mean we want to interrogate them? We have questions, you know, why are they here? So, but notice Lot's response. Lot understands what's going on with them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Okay, so right off the bat, we know whatever's going on in the city of whatever this sin that's transpiring or what they want to transpire, he comes out and just labels it for what it is. Then Lot explains what they wanted in verse 8. 
There's no debate what they're talking about. Listen to this. He offers up his daughters instead. And behold, now I have two daughters which have not known a man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye as good in your own eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. That right there just is so disgusting, I can't even begin to explain how vile and wicked that is. It's literally these people want like gang rape that's going on and bringing them out. You do whatever you want to them and you want these men, but I have, I have daughters and they're virgins and let me offer that as a, something to distract you over these men. I mean, just if you can wrap your mind around how vile this story is of what's going on, they desired to have sex with these men. And then Lot offers his daughters and said, it was sin, it was wicked, it was an abomination. That's what we're building up. Let me, let me show you in Jude 1, 7, in, in explaining, just putting all the pieces together. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication. Stop, pause. What is fornication? Sexual sin. But it doesn't stop there. It says giving themselves over to sexual sin, fornication, sex out of marriage, all those different things. And going after strange flesh. Set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal life. So we have fornication, sexual sin, and going after strange flesh. That definition is that which is not natural or designed by God. The sin that God was destroying the city for was not just this sin, but it is very clear that this was part of it when he was describing the abomination of this city. The Bible says in Ezekiel 16.50, And they were haughty and committed abomination before me, therefore I took them out of the way. Is abomination, in that passage, just to be clear about this, is it talking about homosexuality? There's many things in the Bible that are referenced as an abomination. So let's go to the next passage, Leviticus 18.22. And thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself wherewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. Okay? So we have it as the Bible describes when it talks about the sin of homosexuality. It puts out there the definition of it as being an abomination. Now I know what people are going to say. Pastor Tony, I know my Bible. You are in Old Testament right now. Let's just clear the air on something. And I think this is good for us to have a solid understanding when we get to something like this. There is ceremonial law that was done away with in the Old Testament, okay? There, was, there are different things. Mixing of fabrics, okay? You guys would all be in big trouble right now if that was still part of this, okay? Uh, picking up sticks on the Sabbath day, stoning people for certain sins. There was a lot of things that was a ceremonial law. And you say, now we live in the dispensation of grace. That is true. But the moral law has not changed, Okay, which means, thou shalt not kill. Okay, you can't go around killing people today and just say, age of grace, you know, it doesn't work that way. Killing is still wrong, okay? Adultery is still wrong. All the different things that God's given us. It's, it, when it comes to the moral law, and this is part of that, it's the moral law. Uh, Leviticus 20, verse 13, if a man also lie with mankind, he lieth with a woman. Both of them have committed an abomination, okay? just clear when it comes to the moral law of fornication, when it comes to the moral law of sex, when, it, when God's identifying this. It's, it's murder, rape, incest, adultery, those things. This is part of that, of the moral law. 
So let's carry it over to the New Testament again. We keep connecting all these dots. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Know ye not that the unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall enter the kingdom of God. Two references that identify this issue within this passage, because if you notice, it has a list. And the list does adultery, it does fornication, it has those sexual sins. We have a topic coming up about that issue as well, dealing with pornography, dealing with the issues of our culture. We will address this. By the way, for everybody that sits there and says, this issue of homosexuality bothers me so bad, and then we have porn addictions. Uh, anyways, we'll, we'll talk about that later. We, we, we need to take the uh, beam out of our eye type of thing. Two references that the, this is talking about, infeminine is soft, one that follows personal lust, is the, the definition of that. And then the abusers of themselves with mankind, the definition is a sodomite, an abuser or somebody that defiles himself with mankind. And it says this, that they shall not in, inherit the kingdom of God. And you know, the whole thing is, it's the Bible's listing, it doesn't matter what your sin is, if your sin's not covered with the blood of Jesus Christ, you, you cannot enter into heaven. And a lot of people will take that out of context and just say, well, all these sins show that those people can't go to heaven. But the Bible also later says, and such were some of you, but now you are sanctified and justified and safe. So this is not listing sins that trump the blood of Jesus Christ. So don't take this out of context, but it is listing sins. And in that list of sin is the sin of homosexuality. It's in there. Let's go to the next one, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Knowing this, that the law is not made for righteous man, but lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers and fathers of murderers and mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured person, and for those that be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine." There's a few things that I want to point out, but also in this, the Bible is talking about those that defile themselves with mankind. Again, the, the definition of the Greek there is a sodomite, an abuser, or those with self with mankind. So what is this saying? Look at the very end of this, that this is contrary to sound doctrine. What is sound doctrine? That which is right. That is the teachings of God. That is what God has laid out to be right now we go to Romans chapter 1, verse 18. And this is, you want a solid explanation, if you want a solid biblical point of reference to point people to when they come to us and they say, well, Old Testament or the, the, the Bible's not referencing abomination when it comes to homosexuality with Sodom and Gomorrah. And I know there's lots of arguments. I, I take people straight to Romans chapter 1. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. What this verse is going to get into a lot of things, and it really explains the depravity of man and how man has left the word of God in the mess that they've gotten into. And it's explaining this. It's it, what the verse is speaking about is unrighteousness. What is unrighteousness? The things that are not right, okay? The things that God said not to do. And there's things that go against God. But the thing about it is God does not keep us in the dark. 
For people to come out of here and say, well, we really don't know, and it's kind of a gray area, and that's Old Testament, and, 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 and they come in and well, they'll, they'll have teaching an idea that that's old school, and you, know, you need to get caught up with the times. Now, the Bible just says, I'm just going to make it very clear to culture, because I don't want you feeling your way around in the dark trying to figure this out. God doesn't do that. God exposes sin. God warns against sin. God doesn't force us to obey. And this verse explains that to you. A perfect illustration of this is Adam and Eve in the garden. He gave them a choice. This is right, this is wrong. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. I said, don't eat of it. It was, it was choice. If there wasn't choice, it wouldn't be love. If God forced it, and it was a matter of you love me no matter what, or you do right no matter what, there wouldn't, there wouldn't be love because there wouldn't be choice. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Let's examine what the Bible is saying this. Wherefore, God gave them up. The word gave them up or that terminology of what the Bible is explaining here is he let them go. Okay, it's with Adam and Eve in the garden, God knew what was going on. God let them go. God let them have that free will to do that. God let them have the, the choice of uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. It, it was lust. I'm going to be breaking this down a lot because I know a lot of people's like, I was born this way and I have these desires and I have these urges and I don't know what to do with it. We're, we're going to get into all that. But the Bible talks about they had lust in their, own, in their own hearts and what did it do to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And it, it explains it. So in verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie. So this is so important. I mean, I can't, can't emphasize this enough for every person right now to really grasp this. What God's saying, this is what happens, is they're going to take what is true and twist it and pull it out and put something else in there. And, and, and that's what's happening in our culture, and it's directly tied to this issue. Who tra- changed the truth of God into a lie and who worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Here's what this verse is saying, is they begin to make up their own rules. They begin to define things for themselves. They change the truth. Let me give you an example. And this is huge in our culture today, and you guys need to get this. And from a biblical Christian perspective, this is what you're going to hear. Love is love. You can't tell me who to love. Love is love. Do you know how much danger there is to something like that? Because love is love, that means that a six-year-old can be messing around with a five-year-old. I'm not, I'm not trying to be gruesome, but I'm just saying with that very definition, love is love, you, you define it yourself. But the Bible goes through in the Bible that we, we know as our creator and the final authority and where we stand that God is love. Do you guys see where I'm saying? Everything is restructured and placed on a solid position that we can know what is right and wrong when we start with the word of God. And what God says is love, we know is absolute truth. So man doesn't have the ability to sit there and take what God has said and then twist it around and replace it with that. And that's what's happening around us all the time. We've changed the definition of what is right and wrong. They begin to serve the creation, their selves, their flesh, their desires, more than the creator who says what is right and wrong. Paul speaks to the people of Rome, but this is very applicable to our culture as well. Verse 26, for this cause God gave them up to vile affections. So, you know, as we're going through this, just, just mark this down. What is the Bible describing this as? Vile affections. For even women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Vile affections is something that is a disgrace, a dishonor, reproach, or shameful, or vile. 
and I, and I know even making, me, making this statement is, is controversial right now, and I'm totally okay with that. For when somebody says that this is shameful, and you take out the word shameful, and you said pride, that is the very definition of what the Bible is describing in this passage right now. When Adam and Eve sinned, they knew that they'd sinned, and they went and they hid themselves because they were ashamed. And now we have taken it and redefined what is right and wrong, and now we stand there with pride and really taking the promise that God has said of the rainbow and the very symbol of what God's defining is, is the promise that he's given to us and then twisting it into something else. We're reading it before our eyes, but I'm telling you, this is why it's so important that Christians get their heads into the word of God. What has God said? What does the word of God say? And, and I tell you, the more that your kids are around secular education and secular influence in, in every pop star and movie star and everything else that, that, that is programming their brains, the less they're going to understand this. But the Word of God is quick and powerful. That is why it's so important that, I, I tell you, church trumps sports. Church is more important than anything else that we do. Let me, let me read. The preaching of the Word of God is more important than anything that we do. Is when we start seeing our kids slip and they said they're struggling, they're questioning and all things like that, we say, well, let me ask you, what's getting in their head? What is the influence that, that, is, uh, that is taken over their hearts and minds? Because I tell you, you can turn on even cartoons today and Disney Channel, whatever, and they're going to be indoctrinated with this. But this is what I need to hear. I, I need to hear Romans 1.26. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affection. What is it? It's vile affection. For even their women did change the natural use into that which seems to, that goes against nature. I'm not going to go into all the detail. I'm not. So much that I would like to say because there's so much that logically makes sense to me when it comes to this issue. And, and when, when the Bible talks about that there's a natural way that things are to work. And it just doesn't make sense when you take it and twist it somewhere else. Romans 1.27 and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one towards another. So what are we talking about? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Everybody's like, well, the Bible doesn't even say that. The Bible... And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in lust one towards another, men with men working that which unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was meat. Vile affection, abomination, sin gave them up that which seems unseemly, burned in lust, craving desire for the same sex. And sin, just as a reminder, is anything that goes against God's plan or God's way of doing things. Sin is natural for us. Sin is in all of our natures. Adam and Eve proved this. And people sit there and just say, you don't understand. I was born this way, and I was born with this desire, and I'm born with this attraction. I'm born with this. The Bible says that we are born in sin. We're born cheating and lying and crying and babies crying when there's nothing wrong with them, and they're deceitful in doing that. They're just... You know, it's in our sinful nature to do that. It's in our sinful nature to, to lie and, and to get what we want and to, 
to mislead people. It's in our sinful nature. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, and the, the world talks about just follow your heart, just follow your heart. Well, get into the Bible. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Don't listen to your heart. Your heart will lead you astray. Your heart will get you in big time trouble. You know, when people say that uh, of this, and, th- and that's where you get the whole world around us saying, well, it's my heart and I've got to follow this. And this is the feeling and the desires that I have. You know, and, and don't get me wrong. It's with this issue. And they sit there and say, I'm born with this. And you don't understand. This is who I am. And this is, I was born this way. We were born with the desire for greed. We were born with the desire to be bitter. We were born with the desire to overeat. Okay, Baptist church, you could have said amen right there. That's, and sit there and talk about the sins of everybody else. And you, and, you sit there and just say, I was just born this way. I've got to accept it. No, we have to fight against our flesh because we're born with lust and, and, and desires that should not be there. We're born with desire for pride and be negative and be, uh, have anger issues and things like that. The Bible says, behold, I was shaped in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. It's not literally saying the sinful act of mom and dad coming together, but it's literally saying in sin in the world and sin pass upon all men for all have sinned. We're born as sinner. So I'm going to make a statement right now. When people come out and say, I was born this way, you could probably say, yes, they were. Because they were born in sin. They're born in this way, born in this wickedness. That doesn't make it right. First two kids that were ever born were Cain and Abel. Kind of addressing some of this on Sunday. Cain gets up and kills his brother, he had an anger problem from the very beginning, jealousy and everything else. And I can tell you, there was no influences around him. And I, I know I use this as an illustration all the time. Mom and dad could not blame public school or Bobby, that's the neighbor, or, you know, like, you did this to my... Just born in sin. Born with this sin nature. The Bible clearly teaches that this is a sin. It goes against doctrine. It goes against nature. It's vile affection. It's unrighteous. It's abomination. And let me just throw this out there as we're talking about this. Nowhere in the Bible do you have an illustration in a positive way of a homosexual relationship. And before you go there, let me just extinguish this right now. People will go there and talk about David and Jonathan. And that was a demonstration of friendship and things like that. And and literally, if you look up some gay churches and things like that, in their doctrinal statement, they'll literally use that as an illustration of even David and Jonathan had a, a bisexual relationship and things like that. That is twisting scripture in a way that God never intended for any of those stories to play out whatsoever. Amen. I want to end with this and just get a little more practical as we get into next week. And that is why does God call homosexuality a sin? Or why does God call the LGBTQIA plus a sin? Why? Because we try to wrap our minds around this and say, why can't I just, and, and, and I've, I've tried to empathize and be with people and think, you know, if I didn't grow up in church, and there's a group of people that they're happy and they go to church and they're married and they have relationships and family, but this person's attracted to this person there and they, they want a home and they want kids and they want to be happy. What makes you the, have the ability and the right to have what you want and, and not them? You know, why is it wrong? Why does the Bible say this? The slogan, love is love, why, why is this wrong? From the perspective of being a follower of Christ, this makes sense. 
And we go through and we make our funny little comments, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And we use that. If, if that's as deep as your doctrine goes when it comes to this subject, you need to get in your Bible, okay? But why does the Bible call it sin? God calls it sin because it does not work. And I, I want you to understand this as we're getting into this, as I finish up with this, of understanding that God is a good, good father, doesn't sit there and withhold things that are good for us or to us whatsoever. He knows what is right because he created. And I did a whole sermon series on this and our identity and, and how God created us and we're the image of God and all these other things. So a lot of these things I'm going to kind of repeat as I go through this. But anytime we step over the boundaries, it doesn't work. And for Adam and Eve, and, and when they were in there, and God said, don't eat of it. And then their minds begin to say, well, maybe he's wrong. And maybe that's not as bad as what we thought. Maybe if I stepped into that realm... And, and they were wrong, and it brought the curse on them. And a lot of times, all, we follow our hearts, and we end up in sin because we're trying to do what we think is right. If God calls something a sin, he always has a reason for it. It does not work because God created men and women to be different on purpose. And I, I just want to give some practical things in, in taking these biblical principles as we go through this. Take a little kid. Let me give you an illustration. Take a little kid, we've all had, you know, or a lot of us when our kids are little, these experiences, if, you, if you've raised kids, and they, they come out and they're wearing two left shoes or two right shoes, you know what I'm saying? And they're standing there, and they're two opposite colors, and their feet are standing out like this, and they're like, and like, I want to wear these, and I, I think it's so cute. And just like, no, you go change and put your shoes on right and put on the right shoes. Well, what's wrong with it? I think it's cute, and I think it's cool, and, and, and everybody else is doing it, or whatever, or just like, I don't see anything wrong with it. Go change your shoes. That's not how it works. And a lot of times what we don't understand is they're looking at it from the perspective of right now, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, why, why do you say that to your child? Because you know by the end of the day, they're going to have blisters on their feet because it wasn't created to work that way. And, and a lot of times what we don't understand, at the beginning of things, sin is fun for a season. And I could get into why is it wrong to be shacked up or living, cohabitating in all the other modern terms or whatever? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Sex was created to bond a, a, a man and a woman in an emotional way, and God created that. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his spouse, and they shall become one flesh. It was this intimate connection to to bond them in a, in a way that was to bring them through the hardest of times. And, and God had this amazing purpose and everything through this of, of what he did. And he knew what he was doing from the very beginning when he did this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created he, he, he them. Male and female created he them. Different, but different on purpose. In the same way that left and right shoes are made different on purpose. Shoes are made different, actually, to complement each other, to, to work in harmony with one another. And the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet, a partner, or counterpart, somebody to complement them, somebody different, different on purpose. And this is where Satan gets in and, and, and tries to mess up what God does. It, it, it's not just the same sex organs of men and women that make us different or this different sex or it's from head to toe brain eyes muscle mass bone mass brain structure the way we process hormones uh god created these things for balance and, and i've said this the same way that god created 
the, the, the sun and the moon, the same way that God created sea and land, the same way, and I could go on and on and on. God is a God that created balance to bring things together, unity and harmony, to complement each other and bring glory to God. Satan hates what God creates to create unity and harmony and anything that brings glory to God. And by the way, Satan hates anything that works. He hates things that work because his goal is to kill, seek, and destroy to rob from you the things that are right. We strive so hard in our culture to make men and women the same. And I, and I mean, we could take the LGBTQ community thing, but we could do this whole thing just to, in the structure of husband and wives. And I, we, we play different roles on purpose. And when we sit there and, and with this whole idea of equality, and I'm not saying equally important, equally of value, you know what I'm saying. I'm not saying that at all. You are, you, are, you are valuable to God, and, and, and God created men and women. He loves them the same, and he created them to, to have a, a part in his ministry and everything else the same. I'm not saying that one is more important, but I am saying that they're made differently to bring unity and harmony and uniqueness to the glory of God. It's like a wheel, and you take the tire and the rim, and they work together, and they're different, but they work together in harmony, both similar, but both made different. God's design for man and woman was intentional. They were to be part of each other's life, to complement each other in this way. They were not just made for sex. They were made to connect on different levels. They were made to connect the way that a woman can perceive things. And you say, or the the way that God created a woman to nurture, a a man to be stronger than that. And then you take a man, change his his gender identity, and then put him to play sports with a woman. Then he dominates over that. And it brings all this chaos to our culture. And everything's, everybody's in an uproar over that. You say, why? It doesn't work. It wasn't created to work that way. It was created to bring fulfillment, and same-sex marriages and relationships miss out on this balance. And I believe it, and I'm going to say some things. If you guys notice, I'm just trying to tell the truth. Isn't it unique? And I'm not saying this is all always the situation, but isn't it interesting how even in a lot of homosexual or, or, or lesbian relationships, that one will end up being the more dominant of the two? The, the way that they dress, the way that they act, the way that they even will walk down the aisle and the way that all these different things and say, why is that? Why is that? If it's, if it's two women or whatever, because it's human nature to be able to have someone to rise up and lead. He said, what is that? That is inside of us, though, the way, the inner workings of us is this is how it works. We have an inner desire for things to work, an inner, but what does Satan do? He takes it and twists it. He twists it. He twists it. There's a natural desire to make things work. Within the statistics of suicide among lesbian women, almost 71% of suicide deaths included an intimate partner problem. And with gay men, it was only about 37%. You say, why is that? No balance. You take two people, and, I, and when I say this, I, you guys know my heart, I was just, God, God created women to, to operate and an emotional level differently. Is that, did I, am I saying this okay? <laughs> to, to, to live in an, or operate on a different emotional level than men. And, and when you take two left shoes or two, you, you guys know what I'm saying, you put them together, it, it, the, the, you, you take the balance out of what God was creating with that. And all of a sudden you have it to where you have that. And then 71% of those that end up attempting suicide points back to the relationship with that. And it's totally different with men. Why? Because it is different with men. My question with this is why? 
are these things not being addressed? Why, why in our culture is these issues when it comes to same-sex disease, when it comes to the suicide rate, when it comes to anxiety and the depression, and you have Pride Month and nobody ever says this. Look up and just Google uh, 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 transgender uh, remorse, regret, and, and see the people that come out and say, I didn't know that this wasn't going to work. Why is that? Because of the fact is you cannot just take a knife and, and change the outwardness of somebody and think that you're going to create a whole new man or woman. It doesn't work that way. And, and I'll use this illustration, and, I, and I'm not smart enough to be able to tell you all the structural differences when it comes to men and women, but I can say it'd be the same thing as going to a house and changing the paint and the shutters of it and saying it's totally different when the wiring and the plumbing and everything else on the inside is still the same. It's, it, it doesn't work that way. I even thought about this when it comes to this, when it comes to AIDS. Why is that not being addressed and talked about more? AIDS, and when you look at the CDC website, and I'm not trying to be crude or whatever, I'm just trying to be honest. Anal sex is the highest risk sexual behavior out there, and nobody ever mentions that. Why is that being mentioned? When you have this disease and all this stuff being spread, and they're like, well, the very act of which they're committing is, is, is contributing to this. Why does God call it wrong? Because it doesn't work. It wasn't created to be that way. We were created to be different on purpose. And it doesn't work also because God creates us or we find our identity in Christ. You know, when I went through this and we're talking about the LGBTQ and the questioning and, and we, we're talking about trying to find ourselves and where do we find our identity and Jesus Christ makes it very clear. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created him, male and female created him. God created us and we find our identity in Jesus Christ. Now, I, I just want to wrap this up because I'm just taking it full circle all the way back to the Bible. It's like problem, 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 sin, abomination, vile affections, all this other stuff, and bringing it back and saying, where do you find your identity? Where do you eliminate the question mark? Where do you eliminate the what am I and everything? And if we don't bring people back to the Creator and back into the presence of God and back into fellowship with God, you're not going to get it. I'm going to say something. We've got to stop trying to change the minds of people that are gay and homosexual and start reaching their hearts. We've got the wrong target. We we keep arguing all all these facts and figures and all this other stuff. And I I know I've brought out a bunch of stuff, but it's a matter with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. You know what righteousness is? That which works, that which is right, that which God created them to be. God made us with purpose and our identity and all these things. And God is not the author of confusion. I want to just wrap this up and close this out. And I had a, a lot of things that I wanted to say, but I, I want to jump down to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there coming a falling away first, that the man of sin be revealed and the son of perdition. The Bible, and I know I've said this before, but it is the truth of all this. And I was just talking to some of us as I was getting ready to do this and talking about how bad things have gotten. I mean, like how indoctrinated our kids and how every TV show, every sitcom, every, everything that comes out, it's in there and our kids are being exposed to it and things like that. It is a sign of the times. You guys, listen to me. 
It is a sign of the times. It is a sign of the coming of Christ. It is, it, it is a warning that we should be. That's why the Bible uses Sodom and Gomorrah as an example of destruction that is to come. And the Bible points to that in June and references it back, pointing to revelation and those types of things. But the Bible says that there will come a great falling away. And, and literally, it, the Satan is so good at what he does. He, he is so subtle. That's how he twisted things from the very beginning. He was subtle. But anything that he can, if this is truth and this is where we find identity and this is what eliminates the confusion and the questioning, which literally eliminates the suicide rate and the anxiety and the depression and everything else, all Satan has to do is subtly get us to keep walking away from the truth. And that's what happens. And I believe that Satan would use COVID to do that, to, to distract us, to pull us away, to get us out of the habit of going to church. When I say church, I'm not saying this building. When I say church, it's being the biblical aspect of provoking one another to love and good works and getting into the word of God to knowing what is right. The preaching of the word of God is what I'm talking about. The world around us is a sinking ship. Listen to me when I say this. The world around us is a sinking ship. The Bible says these things must come to pass. Read Revelation. You'll know what I'm talking about. The world around us is a sinking ship. My goal is not to save the ship. My goal is to reach as many people that's on that ship as possible before the ship goes down. Amen. And let me tell you this. If we keep arguing and yelling and getting mad at the ship because it's getting worse and falling apart and sinking, rather than having our minds and our focus on those on the ship that need Jesus Christ, that are confused, running around the ship, don't know where to go, where the hope is, where the life preserver is, Jesus is the hope. We've already found the hope. We better be lifting up the hope. I, I don't want to be a church that just gets up and mad about the homosexual and LGBT and all this other stuff. I want to be a ship that is a, a, a rescue station. I want to be a place of hope and help. I, I, I want our kids' programs and our vacation Bible school and everything that we do to be raising up Jesus Christ and pointing the truth and changing the world. Because when we get up here and we start talking about we need help with vacation Bible school, I'm not just talking about come out and play games and, and help little Johnny find the bathroom. There's a lot more that we're doing, and we've got to wake up as a church and wake up as a culture knowing the high calling that God's placed upon our lives to point people to truth. Amen. 